Hello and welcome. My name is Niels Goldstein and you're listening to the Murky Cast. This is my podcast on all things life and technology. Hello and welcome to this week's Murky Cast. Uh, so this week I want to talk about um, some of the socioeconomic issues around technology. Um, I got a um, notice, uh, an email from a friend of mine uh, who had been working for Oracle for 19 plus years and a few months and a few days and a couple hours. He actually said in his email exactly how long he'd been there <clears throat> and um he was in the exciting world of cloud computing. Um, he was a cloud architect, and uh, I believe that the rest of his team was also very similarly positioned. Um, and, um, you know, without any warning, without any notice, uh, bam, um, today's Monday. Today's your last day. Thank you very much for your time and service. Have a nice day. Uh, yeah. People don't people don't think too much about the um, the social impacts of getting riffed or reduced in force uh, by a company after you've been there for a long time. There is uh, a little bit of shock. There is some dismay. Uh, I I think personally that it is a contributor to post traumatic stress for for a lot of people. In my career. I've been I've been laid off twice. I was laid off once by NetApp after being there almost three years. Uh, I was laid off after we got paid out for the previous quarter, uh, and it was one of my biggest commissions of my life. Uh, we had hit 152% of our sales quota, and we got all the multipliers. The team had done really well. Uh, I'm sure that the lead sales rep probably got a commission in the neighborhood of 500,000 to a million bucks, right? Uh, and I'm sure that that rolled up the chain. You know, other folks got, got paid out too. But apparently, uh, I had rubbed the vice president of sales the wrong way. And uh, I was working with our telco and service provider customers, trying to help them design and build cloud services uh, based on a sound strategy uh, and coming up with design for the services that they want to offer. And the sales vice president thought that I was going to jeopardize or slow down sales of NetApp hardware. And he was partially right, but really what I was trying to do is develop a partnership with these companies so that they would know that we were not just selling them whatever the hell we needed to get off the back of the truck this month, uh, but that we had some plan and some direction to provide them 
in terms of what services that they should provide. Anyway, uh, it, it turned out that it was fairly traumatic for me. I spent six to nine months or so looking for another job. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a pretty rough time. I chewed through a good chunk of my savings and I know, uh, that a lot of people who are out there who are in my, uh, who, who are currently in the shoes that I was wearing then, uh, are probably facing that exact same kind of period. Uh, but, but, you know, it comes down to the changing nature of work, uh, we saw the agricultural revolution and then we saw the industrial revolution and we saw a lot of auto manufacturers move out of manually building components on an assembly line to robotic or automated assembly of components on a assembly line and putting a lot of people out of work. And the next wave of this is coming and all of you that are knowledge workers, whether it be uh, accountants or lawyer, legal uh, assistants or uh, administrative assistants or people who do research or people who do uh, basic uh, analysis of information, um, you know, that stuff is going to be automated here, uh, I would say, in the next 5 to 10 to 15 years. So unless you're really at the top of your game and you provide a substantial amount of value in that area, uh, you're going to find it harder and harder to stay employed. So what what do people turn to? Well, we, we have to turn to the one thing that, for now, uh, artificial intelligence, IBM Watson, and, and those kind of things, just will not be competitive with humans for a while, and that is creativity. So that is creating content, like talking to on this podcast, uh, trying to help one another uh, with our... Uh, mental and emotional issues, artistic endeavors, whether you be a musician uh, or a screenwriter or an actor or whatever, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the human nature of work is going to change. The problem is, is that society has not kept up with the pace of change of technology. And there are those relatively few that I will call them the global oligarchs. Um, who have figured out that this change is happening uh, are taking advantage of the devaluation of labor while they can uh, before the next revolution takes place, right? And let them eat cake. Uh, I think people that are ignoring or forgetting history are going to repeat it. And that 1% or the top 10% of 1%, one-tenth of 1% at the top, um, you know, this has been this major wealth inequality uh, that's been accruing to, to those folks. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I am close to that. Um, I may be in the top 10%, uh, you know, globally, maybe top 15, if, I, if I'm going to, you know, be a little bit more pessimistic. Um, but there's no, there's no shot for me to get into that top one per tenth of 1% by thinking my way out of it. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, it, it requires, I think, a lot of luck. I think it requires being in the right place at the right time. I think it requires knowing people. It requires a social backpack that has prepared you for things like, just look at Jared Kushner, um, right? I mean, <laughs> talk about Silver Spoon uh, and being the secretary of everything under President Trump. 
uh, it, it's just it just boggles the mind to think that there are a lot of people out there who still believe that the American dream is attainable solely through hard work, uh, clocking in every day, working and clocking out. And it requires a level of integrity, a level of acuity, a level of intellectual prowess or cunningness or scheming or something, some combination of all of those characteristics uh, that, you know, it's coming to light now through studies of uh, mental health issues that, you know, often um, the product of people that are suffering from depression and anxiety. You've heard the, the, the phrase, the tortured artist syndrome. Um, you know, there, there's been studies and there have been a lot of very smart individuals in Silicon Valley um, who step in front of a train. Um, you know, it, it just happens. It's, it's unpleasant. Um, but there is something to be said for that. Uh, the type A personality is driven. Uh, and, and, you know, like they say, you know, the, the, the brightest flame burns out faster. Um, and I think that that's, that's really true. And I think that people don't look at the impact that they have on others, uh, as the executives and leaders of, of companies, when they reduce, enforce people, um, I do not believe that a company of 110,000 employees or 115,000 employees, whatever Oracle's up to right now, uh, could not find new homes for that couple of hundred people, uh, especially if they are uh, skilled in an area that is uh, right now... Um, finding a lack of talent to fill jobs. Uh, either that or Oracle got lucky in the H-1B visa lottery uh, and is going to import a whole bunch of um, people from other countries to work at below normal wages or it's a form of age discrimination. Uh, I'm not making any accusations here. I'm just speculating. I can't say. I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't party to the conversations. But it definitely seems a little fishy uh, when you lay off people that are senior people in a in a field that is um, not overflowing with with talent. Uh, there's there's a dearth of talent, and there's more people that are needed than can hold all those jobs. So you know, one has to wonder, and I also wonder. You know, I've applied back to Oracle. I worked there twice in my career. I was there for about two and a half years early in the 90s, from 92 to 94 and a half. Uh, and then I was back uh, from 95 and a half through 2008, 2009. But since I left twice, I am now subject to Oracle's three-strike rule, which says that um, you can't be hired a third time without Larry Ellison's personal approval. And really, um, you know, that sounds innoxious, um, but I think, and again, this is my opinion, um, that the unintended consequence, or maybe it is an intended consequence, I can't say for certain, is that that functions as a discriminator against people that are older and have been in the workforce for a long time. I mean, why hold against me um, a departure 
even even two departures, one of which took place in 1994, uh, which is, you know, 23 years ago. Um, we don't we don't even keep some people in prison for crimes uh, for that long. Um, so anyway, there, there's, there's just something, you know, if they're if they're looking for loyalty or they're looking, you know, they, they you know, those kinds of those kinds of practices um, are very reminiscent of a lot of the shady practices uh, that um, Liz Ryan talks about. She is a um, very prolific uh, HR writer that I follow on uh, on LinkedIn, and she has great articles about. Um, you know, avoiding toxic workplaces, how to deal with managers that rule by fear, uh, how to make sure that you provide, you know, give yourself enough credit, uh, how to value yourself in the workplace, um, how to avoid bad companies by detecting stupid behavior during interviews. Uh, and I highly recommend if you if you if you haven't looked her up or haven't read her uh, that you go out there and look, especially if you're in the in the hunt for. Uh, new employment or you're looking for your next gig um she gives some great advice uh and i and i hardly hardly endorse her on that um and and you know personally as somebody who has been a manager for 20 plus years um you know it 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 boggles my mind that some people rule or manage or direct by fear um and they don't even know it Right. I mean, they, they don't even they, they, they don't reach out of their own bubble enough or they are just so conscious about how they fit within the organization that they don't think about their greater impact on the world. Um, as I said, I was laid off twice in my career and the second time um, was really a, a backstabbing. Uh, you know, I resisted. Uh, 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 the motions of my supervisor at the time, who was the I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to characterize characterize the person in, in any words, but they wanted to lay off and fire a whole bunch of people that reported to me um, saying that, you know, they were part of the old regime, that they were disposable, that they didn't have any redeeming qualities. Uh, they weren't going to contribute to the organization um, and, you know, was planning kind of underhanded. Uh, uh, manipulations of the HR rules to get rid of these people, uh, and I resisted. I said no. Uh, I did my best to report it to HR and say, "Hey, this this is this is not right." Um, but I wound up falling on my sword over this, and I got laid off. Um, and I am very proud of the fact that all of those people that I protected um, at the time are still employed by by the company it had been sold and is now called map um, but they were sold and all of those people that um, had been on the chopping block uh, during my during my tenure um, you know survived the reduction in force survived the the transfer of ownership and are still there and they all seem to be thriving and doing well and, and I'm really proud and this is a shout out to all of you guys there uh, you know who you are and I really appreciate, um, you know, what you did when, when I was there. Uh, and I appreciate you guys just, you know, giving me vindication, right, by, by doing the right thing and, and hanging in there and, and being successful. It is the best way to have revenge or to get vengeance, right? It's, it's just be successful in your, own, in your own right, and nobody else can tear you down if you do that. So 
good job, guys. Um, so I had a friend, this friend that that called me, and, and and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about our inability as a society to address and understand and deal with um, mental health issues, and how layoffs are just they're they're horrible they're horrible on the receiving end they're horrible on the people who have to do it even though they may not realize it um you know eventually that shit comes home to roost um you know karma's a bitch uh, and uh, when she calls uh you know it it's for whom the bell tolls um you know and and i just i just think back to all of the missed opportunities uh at these at these organizations not just my termination, but also all the terminations of all the people that I've experienced and witnessed over the years uh, and thinking how, you know, those folks had something positive to contribute. And you hear the line from HR and you hear people try to sugarcoat it and say, hey, you know, transition is a good thing. It's always nice to try something new. Um, You know, the change is for the better. But let me tell you, um, those things only apply when you get to decide that you've made a change or that it's time for a change. If you are not in a position to make that change and the change is forced upon you, um, it is uncomfortable. Uh, it is it is a nightmare. Um, and I'm not going to go to extremes with this too much, but you know, think of think of times in your life where you have had a change imposed upon you um, that was not of your choosing, right? Uh, think of how you felt during that during that time. Um, now magnify that and realize that not only are these folks being forced to change jobs, but their livelihood is in jeopardy. Uh, they may have families to support. They may have mouths to feed. They may have bills to pay. And to be out of work, uh, I I really am, am am strongly in the in the mindset that. Um, Unexpected reductions in force and layoffs are a leading cause of PTSD, and it has a ripple on society effect. All of those people uh, that get laid off, myself included, we become fearful. Uh, we worry about our jobs day to day. We look at other people with a little bit more skepticism, a little bit more suspicion. Uh, we tend not to take the risks that we probably should be taking, right? Some level of risk is acceptable. And in our life, in our career, we've got to figure out what that what that acceptable level is. And you get a layoff and you're gun shy. Uh, it, it really saps a lot of people of a lot of initiative, a lot of drive. And it essentially makes them worse employees, I think, to the next employer uh, than figuring out a positive transition for people like telling them, hey, you know, we've reduced your job. Uh, we're going to help you. We're going to find we're going to spend six months with you. We're going to find you something new. Right. And at least give people that that extra oomph to help them move along. And, yeah, you can say it's not the company's responsibility to be babysitters uh, for all their employees or to take care of everybody. But in reality, it is right. I mean, we put our lives into these companies. We invest our most precious resource. The one thing that we will never get back and that's time. We'll never get that back from any job that we've performed. If it's unsatisfying, unfulfilling, or even if it is all of those things and all of a sudden comes to an end in a disastrous fashion, uh, that has that has ripple on effects societally. 
and and we don't do enough to address it. And I think I think, you know, people that that try to convince you that job training um, is, is what takes care of this or fixes the problem. Um, think about your own employment and think about the budget that you have for training, uh, the time that you can take to go to training. Um, you know, what are some of the first programs that companies cut uh, when the when the numbers don't quite look right? Right. When they're when they're afraid to report bad numbers to the shareholders, uh, they caught all of the discretionary expenses. And unfortunately, for most of them, training is in there. And 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 they have an insidious way of doing that, too. I mean, let's say you you work for a company that's out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And the only training classes that you can take are either online or you have to travel somewhere and incur additional expenses for a hotel, for a rental car, for airfare. And they cut travel expenses, but they don't cost training, cut training expenses. And the training that you want or the training that you need to be good in your job is too far away. You can't get there from here. Right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that happens all the time. And so I, I, I heartily recommend to people, especially if you're in the technology field, to look for alternative locations for training and education. And there are there are some really good ones out there that are very low cost, Cloud Academy, Khan Academy, Udemy. There's, there's a bunch of them, um, you know, that, that do not cost an arm and a leg uh, and, and can give you something that can help you get a leg up. But that doesn't really address the problem, and that is that the pace of change of technology far exceeds the ability of society to keep up with it. And for those cold-hearted sons of bitches who think that we'll just retrain them and put them in a new job, ask that coal miner that's been there for 40 years that loses their job, um, you know, how easy it is for them to learn programming and to start going off and becoming a coder, right? Some people, yes, and they will, they will, they will tout this. They will say that they've established these training programs, that some people are able to do that. But let's, let's, let's be honest with ourselves, right? Not everybody has the mental acuity to do other jobs. And as we automate away those jobs that are the jobs that people who do not have the mental capacity to do more challenging work or more high-level order thinking, those jobs are the ones that are most at risk, and those are the ones that we pay the least for, right? They, 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 how do you make a living as a, as a custodian? How do you make a living, uh, you know, as a manual laborer, whether it be construction or whatever, in some of these expensive places to live? Uh, it, just, it just doesn't make any sense. And when you have an oligarchy that is growing... Uh, that is, you know, increasingly uh, consolidating their power economically, financially, politically. Um, what do you do about that? So this brings me to segue a little bit to my political side of things. Um, and for those of you that know me personally, if you've if you've ever met me, you know, I'm a centrist. I, I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a liberal. I like ideas on both sides. I like the Bill of Rights. I like, you know, interpretation of the Constitution. Um, sometimes originalist, sometimes interpretive, depending upon, uh, you know, what's needed um, and what's fair to people. Um, 
but I, I don't subscribe to either of the extremes. Um, there is one that, that you might say I'm a little more extreme on, and that is, you know, I don't believe that trickle-down economics works. Um, we've seen that. We've been there. We've done that. I don't believe that tax cuts for corporations uh, that report billions of dollars in income um, is a good idea. Um, I think that we should incent them. We should give them tax credits for spending more of that profit on their employees, right? Give them a bigger incentive to pay more dollars out to every employee in the company. That's where they should get their damn tax breaks from, not just cutting their tax rate at the top, um, right? We do all kinds of progressive changes uh, to en encourage certain types of behavior, long-term capital gains, short-term capital gains. Let's encourage our corporations to invest in the people that work there. Uh, let's give them tax breaks based on the number of people that they have employed um, and, um, and keep on their payroll and the average longevity of people that are on there and the percentage of time that people spend in their careers. Let's incent the behavior that we want. We want companies to be as loyal to their employees as they make their employees fearful of working there, right? And it's just a lopsided, lopsided uh, uh, balance of power. Um, you know, the employee should never be afraid of where they work. They should never be in fear for their job. They should never be um, harassed. They should never be under pressure, um, you know, to perform. Not if the company is making money, right? It's one thing if you have a company that's struggling or a new startup or something like that where an investment by the employees in that company will eventually be rewarded or will keep the doors open, will keep them in business. But to not even give them that chance, um, you know, if a company is going to go bankrupt and close its doors uh, and, and turn over nothing to the, sh to the shareholders, um, they should be turned over to the employees. Just let the employees have the company. Let them figure out how to, how to figure out how much to pay people. Maybe they'll work for free for, uh, you know, a few weeks or, you know, take furloughs now and then, unpaid, unpaid time. If it's to keep the company alive and a going concern without trying to milk it for a few shareholders or a few fat cats that 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 take over the that you know that that own the stock in that company that is just that's just terrible and, and these breakup artist companies like Bain Consulting and and all these others that that feed on taking a whole and breaking it up into pieces and essentially leaving the employees holding the bag um that shit this, this shouldn't fly. I mean, it, it just is not good for the economy. It's not good for people. Um, when, when, when people vote against their own interests or they believe that the wealthy are going to do something for them um, out of the goodness of their own hearts, um, I don't know what the hell you guys are smoking, but um, I want some of it because it's not happening. It hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. You can go back in history for millennia, and it never happened. Um, sure, there are a few billionaires like Bill Gates and others that donate a substantial amount of their wealth and fortune to uh, to humanitarian causes. But they're the exception, not the rule. Ask the Saudi king when the last time he gave 
billions of dollars to help his people out was. Ask the Russian oligarchs who make billions of dollars a year um, who play money laundering games to keep the money out of the hands of their exes or out of the hands of the government. Um, you know, when the last time is that they made a charitable contribution uh, of a substantial portion of their wealth. Um, and to believe that people will do that out of the goodness of their heart, you're, you're fucking kidding yourself. These people don't give a shit. They just don't. They're, they're in it for themselves. Um, and, you know, they perpetuate the lie or help to perpetuate the lie that if you work hard, you punch your clock, you study, uh, you have a shot. You, you can be like them. No, you can't. You cannot be with them. You were not born with the social backpack that those people have. You are not going to be Jared Kushner no matter how hard you try. You have a better shot of winning the damn lottery. So go out and buy some lottery tickets because, yeah, that's good because lottery tickets are just a tax on the stupid. And I admit it, I pay that tax too. But in reality, it's more for fun for me than than, than thinking that I'm ever going to get rich doing that. Um, that's the point, right? I mean, they, they, they spin a tail of yarn for you and people buy into it and they just don't. They just don't make it, um, you know, and it is it is a disservice that these people do to society and they're expecting society to, to make it up. Um, but we need to make sure that there's adequate funding for for post-traumatic stress, for depression, for anxiety, um, to treat those class A personalities, to help them realize how how when they're narcissists, um, you know, that puts off everybody else. How ruling and managing by fear is a terrible thing to do. Um, these are all these are all critical things that we just don't think about, and the mainstream media doesn't talk about. We don't talk about the displacement of workers more, enough. We talk about stupid shit like the length of some superstar's dress or how much cleavage is shown. We don't talk about and don't address the real issues, and it's my hope. Uh, through the use of the Murky Cast podcast, that I will talk about those issues as well as technology issues, cloud, um, uh, you know, whatever, wherever technology and the human condition kind of come together. So um, that's all I have for this this episode. Uh, stay tuned. I will ha- probably have another episode soon, uh, and and I promise I won't always be raving mad. <laughs> uh, but I just you know after getting that email from my friend, I just I, it finally got me in motion, and I said I've got I got to put this stuff down. Uh, so you can find me at murkycast.podbean.com. Uh, um, you can go there to the homepage for this podcast. And maybe that's where you found it. But you can there's contact information there. You can you can get a hold of me uh, if you can't find it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's Niels G at cloud hyphen pioneers.com. Uh, d- don't hesitate. And that's N I E L S G at cloud hyphen pioneers.com. Send me an email. Uh, and if you'd ever like to be a, a, uh, you know, a guest on the show or you have a good point or you have a topic that you want to talk about, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. I am always looking for interesting people to talk with. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation uh, and add to our body of knowledge about this stuff. 
Uh, and I think that the only way we can do that is by having a conversation. So thank you all very much for your time. I appreciate it. And we'll catch up with you next time. Music from today's podcast is from Lee Rosevere. The album is called Music for Podcasts, published June 2015, and it is available on freemusicarchive.org. Music